0: Hey folks, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk and I am delighted to be joined today by James Ratcliffe. Now James is the Managing Director of London-based Ratcliffe IT, a managed service provider which works with small and medium-sized businesses in the London area. Outside of work, James is a father of two, a qualified rescue diver, And he's also a keen boxer, so I'm really going to make sure not to insult him during today's call. James, welcome to Tub Talk. Hi Richard, thanks for having us on. How are you doing today? Yeah, no, I'm good. I've got to
1: say, choosing to be positive with everything that's going on. um, I will give myself an 8 out of a 10, which is intentional. Um, and yeah, just maintaining that positivity all the way through. I I think this is probably a safe distance, both from the boxing point of view and the coronavirus
0: (laughs) thing is this, you know, on the remote side. I'm still going to choose not to insult you, mate, because uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but we were actually together in person probably about three months ago in London Mm -hmm. with our mutual friend, Peter Melby, who was uh, featured on a a previous episode uh, doing the boss or babysitter piece. And Peter was across in London and we caught up for a beer and everything, but it feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? It feels like a different era for sure. Um, It wasn't that long, but I think
1: it's that mental perception of so much has happened since that time. Yeah, Um, And even the settings. Um, I don't think I've left the house for some time now. Um, And we were in, like say, central London, you'd come down. So yeah, yeah, very different time, but hopefully
0: not too far away before things open up and we're flying again. I hope so, too. We will tackle the elephant in the room. We'll talk about how COVID-19 has, uh, has affected you and the business uh, shortly. But for anybody who's not familiar with who um, Ratcliffe IT are, perhaps you could give us a little bit of background and perhaps your journey, you know, getting to where you are today.
1: For sure. I think yeah, it's a good a good move just to back up a little bit. So uh, we're a 10-year MSP. Um, I've been looking after the IT needs of small and medium businesses for about 15 years, um, formalized, like I said, a while back. And I think there is a difference, actually. Those of us who've been through a few different curves, got a bit of experience under the belt, we certainly haven't sort of jumped into this. Um, as say, for example, cloud has come along thinking, great, there's a, an opportunity to get rich here or flog something the same way that maybe some other industries um, sell copiers and things. Uh, we're in it uh, you know, for, for that relationship piece for looking after clients, Really, you know, we are a bit nerdy at heart. One of our core values is no geeks, which means, you know, you can have a normal conversation with us. It's someone you would maybe hang out with. Um, We're not like the IT crowd. We're personable and friendly. But actually at heart, we love technology. We love what it can do. We take a lot from um, helping businesses run better, and particularly um, businesses running more safely and securely more recently. Um, And that's been our journey. So um, what we found over time is... Like all things, it's not so much about that main line of of work that you do. There's a lot of people doing that. But actually, the ability to be personable and to communicate well and to be trustworthy and build relationships. And then the team around you um, becomes probably the defining thing and working on yourself. So um, that's probably common to many industries. But I think it's probably also common to all uh, endeavours that are successful is to overcome um, the natural human barriers and and really work on oneself and the business as a whole and those relationships that it creates.
0: Yeah, and that absolutely shines out of you. Like Just before we came on the call, you and I were talking and I was asking how you are, and you're such a positive person. You're such an upbeat person, and I know you're very dedicated to sort of self-development and and leadership as well. Uh, Tell us more about Ratcliffe IT, the company. How many people within the uh, business? So we're 10 staff. We've Mm -hmm.
1: always been very modest. I think that's also a reflection of what we're saying a moment ago is that we're not there as a sales business that happens to do IT. We're an IT business that happens to do some sales we've been very lucky that we've always worked with successful people who, um, successful in their own right uh, and looking for someone trusted um, to work with. So um, we've always invested very heavily in the systems, the tools, the processes, doing things the right way to provide a very, very high quality service. Um, I'm sure there are businesses out there that have been going the same period of time that are much larger by certain numbers of definitions, but our version of success is having good relationships, um, you know, providing for our family, um, providing for our staff and their families. And if we can do that to a reasonable
0: degree, then I think we're doing really well. You are doing it to a very reasonable degree, I see. And uh, What type of clients do you enjoy working with the most? I think this sort of relates to our,
1: our friend Peter Melby there as well, who would say that as staff, we want to, appeal to our intrinsic satisfaction of doing work that we like and i think that happens when you work with people who naturally kind of get what you do now in business it's not always the case that you have that luxury Um, but we work well with people who are successful who are successful and comfortable in their own right who sort of make a good value judgment and, and understand that we're in it for the right reasons and trust us typically it's people who understand professional services uh, people understand the value of the time and the effort and, you know, the expertise, the knowledge that's going in. Um, and you have that mutual sort of two-way respect. Um, it, that I, I find that very satisfying,
0: really exciting. And I, and I think our clients do too, actually.
1: Um, that's definitely the best bits for us.
0: Yeah. So we touched upon it. Let's talk about the elephants in the room. So we're recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we've already alluded to, the world has changed <laughs> beyond recognition. How have you and your clients been affected and how has Ratcliffe IT adapted during this time?
1: I think that's an excellent question and um, we'll probably put some limits on time around this unless you want me to do an (laughs) hour's webinar on my own. Um, I think my perspective on this is to, I think what's probably most useful to people in the short and medium term is is having an eye on the bigger picture um, as well as dealing with the tactical the short term. And, as the government and many governments approved, is we are all fumbling our way through this. If anyone expects um, that, as human beings we 're going to have a perfect plan and be able to execute anything um, i don 't think they know much about humanity overall. So, having run a business now for a while i can I can forgive even those who are responsible for not having a perfect plan to execute and having to sort of do it on the fly. Um, so a few guiding lights for us have been things like um, you know, EOS will advocate having a good idea of your three-year picture. And that has really helped us with, say, for example, some decisions. We're moving office this year, and we're still going to move office. Um, and we know why we're moving office. Um, and at the same time, there is the tactical elements of you know, the things that everyone will be saying, but are really, really important right now, is, is really right tight um eye on your numbers on your cash on accounts receivable um we're very lucky and we're quite diverse you asked about the clients we work with there isn't a vertical um talking with brad scow at connectwise last week i think everyone who's in a vertical is sort of thinking well maybe we should diversify just in case everyone who has a diverse client base is saying i think we should probably get into a vertical and kind of really hit something here because our business, our clients have our businesses are well run and well led, they you know, we've got quite a broad spread. We do have some specializations, um, but it, it served us quite well at this time. We are seeing industries um where they are decimated, where the doors are closed. Um, thankfully for us, that is not like our entire client base. And um, where, you know, I think the, the, you asked in the question about adapting. I think that's what this business is all about anyway. Um, without tracing the 20 year journey of IT, what we're doing now and what we're doing in three years is not what we're doing before. The Darwin quote about ability to adapt um, is probably very, very key now. So, on a more kind of direct level, yes, we've got clients that can't do deals, we've got clients that don't have any revenue in some cases, we've got some clients that are unaffected. Um, Does that mean a reduction to us? Yes. There's certain lines of business, for example, refreshes and upgrades that are going to get put on ice, Um, whether that catches up or not. I think the key thing for us is we've had to look and try and plan that as best we could. I feel like I've done a mini coronavirus university MBA um, and doubled down on things like budgets and having a really solid budget and cash flow and a best, a middle and a worst case and rather than sort of thinking, well, I think this will be that, have it down in numbers, have some variations, and be able to make some sort of clear decisions about what you need to do. That's allowed us to act once to provide certainty for staff and clients and act um, sort of fairly clearly and manage one's own stress uh, in that because it's a lot of unknowns. Um, so the next layer is. We've touched on it, stress and mental health and communication, accepting that that is a big part of this for everybody, self-included, um, and things like communication and keeping in touch and the human side has been a big part of what we've had to look at. It, it's not automatic anymore. You're, not, you're, you're definitely not in the same room. So whether that's a positive or a negative, where people are getting on or not getting on, whether there's politics or even just seeing who's on the phone, a million little things have clicked through in the last couple of months. And just when we think, okay, we have something stable, it's going to change again. Um, But I think that's the nature of it. Uh, We can't complain. It's just suck it up and get on with it, really, I think.
0: Yeah. I was um, speaking the other day with uh, Chris Brogan, who I did episode 50 of Tub Talk, and we were talking about mental health. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, We were uh, talking specifically about mental health for MSP owners, and I was speaking to Chris the other day, and he was saying right now his advice for people is um, you know, uh, day-to-day get through each day because things are so changeable. And, and, you know, what you said earlier on, governments don't know where this is going to go. Businesses, every organization, every individual doesn't know where it's going to go. So adaptability. I'm intrigued. uh, Something that you mentioned about that sort of um, uh, getting an MBA in COVID-19 at the moment. I love that. Um, Have you uh, become more familiar with the figures within your business? Uh, What about credit control? Has that become something that's come to the fore for you? I'd like to say that we're proud. We're not money-orientated. Um, we've always
1: had a philosophy of we don't owe anybody anything anywhere. Um, we are good payers and pay on time, and we've always had a good understanding and knowing our figures. So our figures, um, through our membership of IT Nation Evolve, are analysed by our SLI. Um, which is hugely beneficial. Uh, we've been doing that for some years, so we're comfortable with it, not only familiar with it. I, I understand other people who don't do it, or even those working through it, it is a very tricky thing. Um, but doubling down on those numbers, now is, is absolutely critical. Um, I think we've gone deeper. I think we've taken this opportunity to maybe look at them in, and, and do some budgeting and, and look at the webinars and information that's out there. And just have another go at it. I think wherever you are, you haven't got to do it too formally necessarily. It's one of these things to fail forward on. Um, Again, being in the peer groups and seeing others is definitely a journey and not everyone necessarily gets it. I think we've seen huge value in having the accounts properly reflect where the money's coming from and lines of business. So if, say, for example, cloud, right? It's, it's a very simple anecdote. If you rewind a number of years, nobody had any revenue coming from cloud. But right now, if you can't see what's coming, say, from cloud or desktop installs or projects, and there are people out there with you know good businesses and things so that are doing a lot of right stuff that maybe can't sit in the accounts, it makes it very hard to then understand and then predict. So if you can't predict what's going to happen and what the changes might be, you then can't make a decision, say for about staffing or what you're going to do, what you can and can't afford, or what the impact's going to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Now the audience of this show um, are going to be MSP owners like yourself, um, used to acronyms, but there's a couple of acronyms we've mentioned already that perhaps people may not be familiar with. So we mentioned you mentioned earlier EOS. Yes, you mentioned SLI. For for anybody who's not familiar with those terms, can you explain what EOS and SLI are? Absolutely. I'm massively underqualified to do that. There's uh, a,
1: <laughs> a slight assumption there. You're quite right, Richard. I'm sure you know what EOS is. So that's the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And um, it's written by Gino Wickman, who's done a number of books where he brings together some of the best thinking. So for me as an entrepreneur who sort of so, okay, let's do some IT. Let's start a business. Let's get some staff clients and so on, and you hoof it together. Um, he brings the stuff that is really from corporate leadership, so Jim Collins, Stephen Covey, um, Ken Blanchard, and many others. And actually what I found is he took some of this stuff that could be anything from airy-fairy to management, quango stuff, and made it incredibly relevant and thought, oh, my God, how do we deal without this and then part of the fabric? So he, he, he gives you a whole bunch of tools for setting out how the business sort of maybe could run and the things you need in place for it to run effectively so that's the entrepreneurial operating system um eos as it's known um and the the first book in that series is traction definitely say get a copy of that one easy read and it breaks down very nicely i've seen huge benefit for us and others and sli is service leadership index i believe i always get the i wrong Uh, Richard's nodding, so I think I've got it right this time. And that's a benefit of our IT Nation Evolve membership um, because it allows, one of the reasons is you can at least compare financial results. If you and I are sitting in a room, and of course you have complete confidentiality and privacy, um, if I'm sharing my numbers with somebody else, they are sort of apples for apples and the things are in the right place. Um, And yeah, coming back to that, this is based on
0: huge best practice analysis um, that sort of shows you a light on, on where these things are. Wonderful. And we've never had Gina Whitman on the podcast, actually. So you've just reminded me, I must reach Yet. out. I'm sure listeners are going to be interested in uh, and hearing more about that. Paul Dipple from Service Leadership Index, we did a, a podcast a while ago that just had phenomenal feedback. So I'll, I will make sure to include in the show notes, links to EOS, links to the Traction Book, links to Service Leadership and to that episode with Paul Dipple. Great. Paul though. is amazing.
1: I've had the the fortune at a number of events. I've probably racked up probably close to 10 hours of in person with Paul in an audience one way or another. And it's a bit like, I'm a bit of a film buff. It feels like, it, um, so 2001, a space odyssey. Um, sorry to bore everyone for a slight side here, but it's tangent alert, which comes from EOS, is that humankind sort of goes on and evolution every time they touch this stone. So I don't want to give it away too much for anybody, but, um, hearing from paul is a bit like that um you will come away ready to grow as the next step in your evolution from the stuff that he shares he is quite brilliant
0: in that way so yeah he's an incredible incredible fellow let's go a bit deeper into some of the the tools that you uh use within ratcliffe it you're a you're a guy who shows a lot of gratitude you're a very positive guy what are the tools that you are grateful for especially right now do you know i um i had to think about this because you've got to be careful
1: um We've been using the tools for a long time. Our philosophy has always been an investment in the tools is exactly that. It, it, people look at it as a cost. And I do see many other service providers that you might come across and you kind of think that they're not using the same thing. They're doing it and they're spending less because they see it as a cost. Um, there's so many layers to this, but that investment is, for, if nothing else, you're going to get so much be- better. Um, productivity better stress levels performance dependability out of your staff who are of course i don't want to everyone says the greatest asset i don't want to refer to staff as an asset Um, but your organization is going to do so much better your your staff can do the best work because they're not chasing around on the basics So our philosophy has always been to spend well on best-in-class tools but not only that you have to use them well if you're a carpenter if you're a good carpenter, it doesn't really matter exactly which chisel you have, right? But you need to be an expert in using a chisel. Um, you can have the best, I told you I'm learning guitar at the moment in coronavirus, you can have the best, you can go and buy yourself a Les Paul 1955 for thousands of pounds. It's not gonna make you a great guitarist, the same way an RMM tool is not gonna make you the best at MSP. But if you work at it and you have a, a philosophy of continuous improvement and use it well, that's where the value comes. So we've always done it, right? And we've put a lot into it, both time and money. Um, On that basis, it would be very easy to overlook something like ConnectWise as a PSA, ConnectWise Manage as it now is, um, or Continuum, which is our RMM, um, and focus on the ones that we may be driving into the business more recently, but I cannot imagine working remotely and not having ConnectWise running well for you. If Manage wasn't coordinating the guy's work, it would just be chaos, um, I'm sure you know uh, it can look like chaos at times, anyway. But without that, there would there wouldn't be any wheels to put on um, any vehicle. So, connectwise manage it it, go, it. it. goes without saying, but I think we have to say it. Um, same goes for continuums and RMM. Um, we know that so much is covered. And again, other providers who are looking at cutting costs, uh, I think at this time there will be people looking across geographies that they wouldn't have done it before. I think people who are a bit cute on the sales and marketing side will say, look, okay, you don't have an office now. We'll support you from the other end of the country. I think sophisticated businesses will realize that that's probably not a good proposition. Um, and I think one of the traits will be those same, um, I hesitate to call them MSPs. I saw someone the other day doing unlimited break fix, and I'm not quite sure how I understand that. but Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they're not likely to invest in tools to provide a quality of service and a guarantee. So us having this in place and knowing simple things like patching, which is so important for security, is nailed, is taken care of, our monitoring is there so we can focus on the challenges and adapting. Um, If you didn't have that and and those were the basics and maybe you furloughed staff or you're looking at cutting something somewhere, um, do those things get cut at the same time? So RMPSA PSA is absolutely essential. Um, Bright Gauge, that's happily all now part of the same family, bringing those t- things together. So for me, Bright Gauge represents communication and intelligence versus the data and the things that are coming in and making things actionable. Um, we're on Zoom now. I've got my legs crossed under the table so it doesn't cut off. My wife was completely losing all sense the other day when her personal training Zoom call was going uh, nutty. But I think the remote collaboration tools at Teams I'm going to say I prefer Teams, even though it seems not to be the easy one, just from the security side of things. If someone says to me, it's all in one place, it's secure, it's one password, uh, Microsoft have got the data, we've backed it up, it's got MFA, it's all tracked. That that is an advantage to me, but I know they're not there for um, um, the visual side of it. I think that will come. They've missed a boat there. And dare I say it, if you had to pick a tool that has actually made life easier, I'm going to go with SharePoint. I can't even believe I'm saying it. Wow. Tell me more. I'm Well, shocked. If, you, well if, you, if you had a conversation with somebody a few years ago, um, I think they would have sp- maybe been spitting blood or feathers at the idea of putting everything in SharePoint. And we would have said, say, Box was definitely a leader. Everyone knows Dropbox is easier. We'll have a conversation about the security and the ethics of that company another time. But um, SharePoint seems to have stepped up. Um, it seems to be there. It seems to be ready. It seems to be easy enough. I think if you want to use it as a sync tool like... Pepsi, like Dropbox. Um, It's there. It does that job. But actually, I can type into an app and all my stuff follows me around and I can find documents and I can share them. And I know it's secure. I haven't just put something in some random shadow IT place. Um, It's made things
0: very easy, actually, um, and taking care of all the things I think should be taken care of. Mm, i shall have to take another look at sharepoint i must admit i've got preconceived ideas about sharepoint going back years and years and years in this yeah era. perhaps that's uh, that's an interesting one for me yeah listening to take another look at uh, but let me, let me sum that up. I, I know exactly where i are coming from i think
1: you and i probably feel the same way on this thing um we've got clients are saying well actually now's the time next iteration let's put your files whether they're small medium or large whether they're 150 star 50 20 or five Let's put your files in there. I don't have a barrier to it. Yes, there's some things we've got to work
0: out, but let's do it. I can't think of a reason not to do it now. Yeah, I'm picking up on something you said earlier on about the PSA and the RMM tool. You said, you know, it goes without saying, but we've got to say, you know, uh, those tools make life easier for you. This is anecdotally, but in the first few days of the lockdown, when we had as MSPs this massive working from home rush um, that everybody did, it was my observation from speaking to MSPs that the MSPs that had got the RMM and the PSA tool in place were the ones who got things sorted in a couple of days. And the remainder, I'm still talking to a couple of weeks later, and they're still mopping up issues and that. How did you find that working from home rush at Ratcliffe? So obviously, we've got both those tools.
1: Uh, it was a rush. I think there was some confusion. Um, we were, as in in terms of the government pulling the trigger and people working out when it was going to impact them and was it even a thing. And I remember some emails from some clients, like a bit later going, oh, you know, you could tell they're thinking it's going to be a couple of weeks and hindsight's a wonderful thing, what have you. But um, it took a while for the penny to drop. I'm, I'm I'm proud enough to say that we, um, seemed to understand this. Those around me said we we thought we had a good handle of it, and we were at least with the curve. Um, so we had tried our own working from home in advance of say the shutdown, uh, and we always knew it was going to be things like: Did you have a monitor? Do you have a desk? Do you have a chair? Um, the, the danger in this is talking about, you know, goes without saying is I can't, we've we've been on those tools, both of those for 10 years. So I can't imagine running a business well without it. If we didn't have those, it would be the equivalent, you know, bits of string and sellotape holding things together. Uh, And with respect, I know there are other businesses that maybe haven't taken that step onto a PSA and an RMM yet. Uh, I would urge you carefully to do so when the time is right for you. Um, So I think anecdotally, you're probably quite correct. Um, What we saw, because the RSA, uh, the, uh, the PSA and the RMM were nailed that that's okay for us. We were focused on delivering that work. And it was more about the client's businesses, their perspectives and their personalities, and how much hand-holding did staff need to work from home? That was a challenge for us. And that's time-consuming and unexpected and all in one go. Yeah, I think,
0: I, I think I've got the grey hairs to be. <laughs> So we've talked about the challenges that happened, and you've you sort of weathered the storm uh, and gone through it all very well. Uh, as have lots of people. It's got to be said. We're still here. You're still there. You're still yeah. here. <laughs> let's let's talk about. And I'm going to phrase this question as as well as I can. But what opportunities have you uncovered during this time? And the reason I say that is there's going to be lots of people listening to this and saying, "How can you talk about Richard? How can you talk about opportunities in the middle of a global pandemic in the middle of a crisis?" But I don't know if you, how you feel about this, James. I'm in the situation where I feel during times of stress, during times of hardship, that's when we innovate. That's when we find new ways of doing things. How, how do you see the world and the opportunities you've uncovered right now? I think you summed that up very well. I think, I think you have to ask the question. I think you're right to
1: paraphrase it the way you did being sensitive to those who are out there who may be suffering uh, more difficult times than perhaps than you and I personally. Um, I think there's different layers and levels to this. Um, as a hardwired optimist um, who has positivity kind of inside and there, that you know, everyone has a dark time, and this has been very difficult and very stressful as well. Um, I probably invoke the Stockdale Paradox now, actually, which is a, a Jim Collins good to great story about recognising that something's very difficult and at the same time saying it's okay. So not just saying we'll be okay and being flippant and not getting caught down in this is really tough, but we're not Goldman Sachs. We're not looking to ruthlessly make some money um, on the opportunity of shorting the downturn. Um, At the same time as human beings with a necessity, whether that's what the human spirit is, there are positives here. So completely unrelated. I've mentioned this a couple of times now. I'm learning guitar. Um, I've, I've been around and done driven me, somewhere between driving me nuts. And in fact, they're screaming in the background now. um, And been very, very satisfying and fulfilling. I spent a lot of time with my kids and actually like doing maths with my daughter. So the monkey I have on my shoulder as a business owner is I don't spend enough time with the kids. The positive flip is there has been an opportunity to do that now. And you might have to look for them, but they're there. Um, I think the obvious ones are the ones... um, that maybe those sales focus organizations would bring, which is let's go and teach everybody how to use Teams, right? Let's go and plug a hole and fill a gap. And look, we've all got to do tactical. I'm not against that. Um, what I would actually say is flip that same idea and say, look, your staff at whatever company don't know how to use Teams. Putting the Teams element to one side, here's a chance to engage with them, here is a chance to help them and educate them when they're in need, where we probably have more expertise than they do. Look, Teams is another conversation. If anyone's actually worked all of that out, they're a good man. and um, because they've they've done an amazing job of putting like four or five different tools into one when really everyone's thinking, oh, but why doesn't it work like Zoom? <laughs> right. So but there is an opportunity to engage, to drive a relationship, to be there for somebody that is gonna bring it's just gonna deepen that relationship. It's gonna bring loyalty, it's gonna lengthen that rate that's what we're there for. And that that as an opportunity to feel good and, and done something worthwhile yourself. And of course, on a business level, that clients going to be that much closer to you. Um, you're part of their team. That is you know that is a real partnership, isn't it? Um, whether you monetize it or not, who knows? Um, but being there as, if you call it an MSP, whether you call it an IT provider, um, being there for your clients in an hour of need is a, a, a true statement of the partnership. And I think it's those kinds of things that will probably come through and bubble through. I think the coronavirus is bringing out the best and the worst. And this is our chance to be uh, good people and help as much as we can. Um, I, I thought about you know doing other things like the volunteering for the NHS. Actually, it turns out my vocation here is actually I need to run this business. I don't have time for anything else and that is enough um, for sure. But making a difference in those ways is probably the, an opportunity. And I, I kind of share that because people might not think of that. They'll think of, well, maybe we can sell VoIP um, or I can sell an extra laptop because now they need one at home that they didn't have. Yes, that stuff will be there. I'm going to tie up security VPN. I think that's obvious. I think the, the more valuable part is this is a chance to engage with your clients when maybe, you know what, they didn't really have the time, it wasn't a priority to engage with you before.
0: Yeah, really well put, really well put. Now, we've obviously, we've covered a little bit of your mindset and how perhaps that has changed during COVID-19. Have you seen any change in attitude, James, towards IT from your clients? How do your clients see IT now? Well, I think we've been on a bit of a roller coaster already. Um, so I would like to, say there's a
1: spectrum of understanding and value uh, in anyone's client base, um, so referring to our friend Paul Dipple, um, he will say that you know a good client um, has a critical IT needs, and secondly, they know they have critical IT needs because not everyone who has them understands that they have them. When coronavirus kicked in and it's work from home and lockdown, everyone's gone. Oh crap! Call IT. Work from home. They all of a sudden at least then valued and appreciated that we were going to keep their business going. You know, we were, for the first time we became key workers. Um, you know, if I wanted to, I could have sent my kids to school. They'd have taken care of them because what we were doing was keeping the country going. And I think that did happen. So a lot of people got a fresh perspective of, hold on, this stuff really matters um, when they were looking to not pay other people, maybe and preserving cash in a business-like way, in a fair way, it wasn't the one that was getting paid late. Certainly when the lockdown first happened. So I think people definitely appreciated um, what IT could do rather than it just being a pain when I can't print and things going wrong. It was an enabler for business, not just a source of problems. At the same time, I don't think that will persist as we go on. I think uh, without being too pessimistic, we talked about positivity, people have relatively short memories. And when the crunch starts to come and they have to do with the reality of finances, um, I would expect clients to say, look, this is what we're now dealing with. Um, um but hopefully you've looked after them you've been there you're um you know talking to them and just being there and we have called round clients saying like how are you doing you know um partly mental health partly because that's why i think that's part of our value now as business partnerships um that when it comes to it you're on on the firm with them as a partner
0: yeah and and I think over communicating during this time is is really key. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps as IT uh, business we we just as MSPs we just kept IT running for people but now and you know you've you've talked about this extensively it's about being a partner it's about being the other end of the phone it's about checking in and making sure hey are you okay not just the technology but are you okay, okay? can we can we help uh, that's what the partnerships I all. think with cloud actually the technology
1: dare I say it becomes less of an issue uh, we're not looking after RAID arrays with, you know, complicated exchange database availability groups anymore, phase shift capacity modulators and, you know, flux capacitors. They just see it as cloud. Right. And to some degree, some of the technology has been abstracted um, without doing a whole separate you know, pitch on this. Our value hasn't changed what we do for our clients um, and our understanding and that layer in between of translating what their need is. to The technology map will never change. Um, you know, this stuff is still created and will always be created by human beings and every usage case is different. So someone to rely on for that role will not change. Yeah.
0: Now, we don't know what the future is going to hold. Obviously, we've already talked about, you know, it's very, very changeable at the moment and we've got to cope on a day-to-day basis. But looking ahead as best as you can, what do you think that your business mindset is going to be as a business owner post COVID-19? Yeah. And I think this is an interesting one
1: because as a business owner, survival is always in there. Survive, keep the lights on, because inevitably there is a downturn, right? Um, there's a lot of lines of business, particularly around projects and upgrades, new machines and things that are just not going to happen. So survival's in there being very, very sensible in that you know, MBA type way, looking at budgets, and mm. uh, financial reporting, at the same time saying, well, what do we need next? And there is going to be an opportunity, to use that word, um, around helping people with a new way of working so um i think you know security is going to be at the forefront of all of this but that's a slightly separate thread but securely moving people's work environments so that are not tied to an office i don't think we work is going to be the place for everybody overnight i said we're moving office because we believe in teamwork we believe in communication we believe in human interaction and you need a place for that um with that being too negative i think this coronavirus scenario, the immediate is going to be more. I mean, the, the government's done a very good job of managing expectations until the weekend, um, but actually, nobody's really said out loud that we're in this for a year or two, and it's going to be a rolling opening, closing, might be localised, might be a partial shutdown of things. So, you know, if somebody has a cough, are you going to allow them in the office? No. Um, rentals are going to be affected people's use of office space is going to be changed so look on the positive we're here to help so people technology amazingly has just stepped in and enabled so much to happen so if people are going to work or they need childcare and work from home and the flexibility it's going to need right if people aren't going to move office they might have to have fewer staff in any one time just because of the distancing that's required the practical arrangements around that so sharepoint Working from home, helping people do that seamlessly whilst not putting the data in a place it shouldn't go that then leads to another problem. There's loads of that to work through. I think most of our client base would like us to work with them on those things. So there's plenty to do um, as the appetite's there and just being ready for that, making sure we're comfortable with those technologies to be able to do it in the way there's the smooth, sophisticated way that our clients expect
0: yeah. I want to dig into something you said earlier because I'm fascinated by this. Um so you said you're moving to new offices or you were moving to new about uh, planning to move to new offices and then of course all this happened but you are still planning to yes to new offices. Yeah. So talk me through the the thinking behind that. And and, and and you mentioned as well as you see, you know, collaboration as being something, teamwork as being something that's done in person.
1: Yeah, so let's be clear The new office is not extravagant, but they're right for us. They're a good, right working space. Um, fun enough, um, driving around, it's, it's North London. Um, I thought, if, if we're going to a building like that, that would be great, purpose built. Um, there's other professionals in the building. It's a good home for us. Um, Guess what? That exact building we managed to get a space, and it's even got all the little things we wanted, like car parking spaces. It's you know, not to be turned out, and the landlord seems very fair. Why wouldn't you do it? All of this in London? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It's not going to come up again, and they're not extravagant. It's not the cost. It's not the kind of cost that's going to impact clients or our profitability, or anything like that. But having a home, having a place. I understand that some of the guys um talking about communication. I think we've got to do more on that. But you know, the guys have, vo- have voiced different. Um, perspectives and opinions on how they want to come back to work or not some are saying look i just need to get off the kitchen table some are saying i like being at home because it's just different and i don't have the same interruptions necessarily and others are saying no i need a change of space and a change of place and others are saying well i'm actually not feeling safe and this is genuine I, i'm not sure i want to go back until we know a bit more about how this pans out Um, with the schools going back i think we're going to learn a lot i think we're going to learn about how to deal with this so with all of that going on the longer term picture of we you know if we said two or three years from now five years now i don't think a a, a disparate team working from desks at home you're not going to build a bond you're not going to have people that work together um peter melby has his rules we've we very gratefully swiped those from one of them is have each other's back you know protect the client Brackets often from themselves. Um, I don't think that stuff gels on a human level. If you need trust, it's great doing Zoom, but it's not the same thing. Um, and we need a place, we need a home for that that is sensible um, to foster the human part of the business, because I think that's ultimately
0: what you are. Yeah, that makes sense. What about the shift to remote working from the client's perspective? Why are you hearing? From Ratcliffe IT clients, do they want to go back to the office? Are they going to have a hybrid approach? What does it look like? I think it has to be
1: hybrid. Um, I think it's very much case by case, and there's obviously industry stuff there. So, if someone's in construction, they need to have the sites open. In fact, they pretty much have been throughout, because if that slows down, you know, the, the country grinds a hole in a number of ways. Whereas those who feel they don't need to rush in and need flexibility and don't yet know what's going to happen with childcare, uh, with the schools going back. Um, not everyone's going back yet. So there's all kinds of constraints around that. So those that feel they can do their work, home, I think at the moment are just quite satisfied to do so. Um, as you may well know, as an employer, we have quite a lot now from health and safety executive. It seems like we've become, along with everything else, another, another wing, another arm of the HSE. Um, and I've been doing more around that as part of my uh, informal MBA um, in getting us back up and running, so it depends on the appetite. Some people might just bypass it and wing it, and other people might try and get everything in triplicate before they move. Um, our role, in fact, that's a huge opportunity for us is where we've had to work this stuff from across lots of different businesses. Some of our clients have been really, really grateful that we could help them with opening up their office, and part of that, you know, the Ratcliffe IT experience. I'm sure there's many of other MSPs who are sort of forward thinking doing this as well, is actually being with them, not just for the IT, but having the policies in place when you work from home, having whether it's security or remote working and the things, the other stuff. Like, Have you thought about the desks, the chairs and the screens and things? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, Opening up the office is a big one. That is a huge challenge for lots of people. So um, the appetite, I think, varies Person by person, business by business, industry by industry, but we're ready. And our and our office managers that work with us are so grateful when we can give them a document with a bit of a plan to get them going on the blank page. I think that's something uh, everyone you know listening today should think: How could I do that?
0: Yeah, and another great example of how you're very progressive at Radcliffe IT. Rather than just thinking about the technology, you're looking at helping clients with the business of doing business. I love that. So, do you mind if I ask you a question around? Um, visiting sites especially at the moment so you've got people working from home you've got some great remote access tools in there so i know you're very progressive probably 99 percent of what you do can probably be done remotely Yet there is a need, isn't there? To still get to to site. How have you been handling that at the moment? Yeah, it hasn't been a huge need, but it's something
1: we've had to address, and it has been a challenge. Um, for example, hard drives still decide to fail during coronavirus pandemics. It, it turns out, and the odd machine does crash, or a battery goes. Um, so in those cases, whether you know, deliveries have been a real thing. Um, as you can imagine, and and switching out. I'm sure everyone solved those kinds of things, but it it did take time. And to still do that in a way that is smooth for the clients, that it feels like the service they they expect is not that easy. Some of it's easy, some of it's not. Um, PPE is going to be a challenge. Whether it does anything or not, you've got an element of having protocols that actually keep you safe, having stuff that makes you feel safe, which I don't think the government's allowed to do that. There is actually a difference. Um, and also things like, you know, under duty of care, that we are meeting legislation. We're doing what we should be doing for all the staff. Um, I think the natural reaction is to hold back a little bit and be extra careful. Um, we're doing things like you know, wiping down machines if we're preparing. Some people have needed new machines, we've set them up remotely, send them on, they get wiped down before they go. Having procedures around this, having those procedures in something like IT glue so that everyone can get to them very easily and find them um, when they need them. Um and yeah, just making sure everyone feels safe, I think, for the most part.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Let's change tact a little bit at the moment. So You've already mentioned your participation in um, uh, peer groups, um, work with other IT businesses, uh, things of that nature. What's your philosophy towards collaboration with other MSPs? I think we've naturally always been well for it. So
1: whether it's the stuff that you do, whether it's um, all kinds of webinars from vendors, we all know the most interesting ones is when a good MSP comes on and you get, look, it's not It's not 15 bullets, it's not gonna be 15 gold nuggets in and out, but you take away something. And not only that, you can't execute on it all either. Um, so I, I think um, it's, it's a massive unfair advantage and everyone should do it. Um, IT Nation Involve has been an important part of our business life for a number of years. Um, before that, it was the Connectwise user groups, and meeting like-minded people um, is a huge part of it. Um, what's funny is we've had reason to speak to a couple of other IT providers here and there. It might be that you know you're transferring a domain or or just something. People just, we've spoken to them and, and you have these conversations almost like you're in a period. So, what are you doing? How's this affecting you? What's going on? Right. Everyone's sitting there waiting to burst out. And that is the human part of, of all of this. Um, so, we are again huge proponents of doing it. Um, I would definitely say there's enough business to go around. If you and I both walked into a client, they're going to prefer one of us for reasons that is just in their DNA, maybe, and you can't take it personally. Um, you win some you lose some i don't think it's it's down to you know um keeping the competition out and i think there's so much more um to um, benefit to everybody when everyone gives freely rather than sort of keeping the work to themselves with one arm over the homework so um yeah i think we can all do a much better job if we just share
0: yeah i love love that quote Uh, from yours about um you know the peer groups and that being an unfair advantage that everybody should have it absolutely is my own msp business was built off the back of what was then htg and learning from you know some uh, fantastic uh, msp business owners who gave freely of their time and knowledge to me um you know to 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 help grow my business so absolutely agree with it one of your other passions is cybersecurity. you've presented on this topic you know you you talk openly about it and, and actually educate other MSP owners about this as well. What are your biggest fears about the future of cybersecurity, especially given all that we've talked about? Now we've got all these people working from home on home PCs that we as MSPs perhaps don't control. That fear word had to creep in,
1: didn't it? Fear had to be in the question when it came to cybersecurity. It's a shame, isn't it? Yes, it seems I am passionate about this. I think, rightly or wrongly, um, we're fairly convinced that this is a big part of what we're going to do. So talking about, you know, we're not looking after server hard drives anymore. Email is in the cloud. The infrastructure is provided by Microsoft, and increasingly so. Um, I don't think we've got any naysayers on that, and I don't think people have realized how far it's going to go. So, like, you know, an application nowadays is, if you install it on a computer, it's considered a legacy application. That stuff's going to get abstracted. It's going to be further away. doesn't diminish who we are and what we do. But the security element... Um, even thinking about everything's now in the cloud, human nature dictates there are unfortunately bad people out there or people that they can find a quick path to money or whatever reward they're after. So it's not going away. Um, that's going to be a huge part of what we do. Now, I understand that even within our own client base, not everybody wants it. They might feel we're shoving it down their throat and it has very many negative connotations. Um, fear was in the question What's our fears around this? So without doing like, you know, the entire why we should do cybersecurity and why it's important to answer the question directly, what are my fears around cybersecurity, is that it somehow gets missed and forgotten. Mm. Is that with everything we're doing and that we're sort of thinking, right, we've got to pair things back. And I'm not talking about the businesses, because if you can have an informed conversation with the business and say, look, this is about your risk. This is about what matters to you and protecting it and your decision. Um, They don't really have a problem with that. And you've put yourself in a in a a strong advisory consultancy capacity there. So you can have those conversations. They they, they tend to respond well to those in every case. Anyone who has business responsibilities understands, I have to look after this stuff. Um, So it's not that the businesses will necessarily go backwards from it, but while we're all busy keeping up with work from home and teams um, and looking at survival, which is in the back of your mind, and um, cutting back and fell, well, cybersecurity is quite difficult. To do well it's 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 not necessarily a natural bedfellow there's administrative ele- elements to it you know it's people processes and the technology this has got people in it it's built in you know we prefer messing around with technology right we've got policies to write and people to convince and people's behavior to change right that's not what we signed up for it for so it's quite hard for us so there's a there could be a well we'll worry about that later And the fears are MSPs get hacked. The fears are, you know, uh, it gets put on the back burner. And actually just at the point when 2020, 2021, 2022 was going to be, well, let's actually move into this. The the industry could, for those who are less well-led, roll back on some of it and go, well, we'll get to that later. On the flip side, maybe they're going to say, well, this is what we need to do next and get into it. But it's a lot to do in a downturn. It's a lot of training and stuff. I would encourage people, get involved. There's loads out there start if you're on this journey just keep on we're all on the journey no one's got
0: this nailed completely just keep moving forward with it because it's just so important fantastic advice i've just noticed the time (laughs) you've got a business to run what day is it today is it still
1: (laughs) well i hope you've got enough for the podcast richard
0: james this has been absolutely phenomenal honestly i could talk for hours to you and i've told you that before but um you have got a business to run, so I will let you go. Thank you, Richard. I will ask one final question. What's, we've talked about the new office, but what else is next for Ratcliffe IT? Well, the, the interesting part is, is look, uh,
1: we don't always know, do we? Um, we know our mission. We know our vision. Our mission is there to build relationships, give, uh, inspire confidence in others, in their cybersecurity, in their IT, so they can do what they need to do. Um, and we'll always be doing that, whatever the technology involved means. Um, that's still relevant. So it's about driving those relationships. It's about um, being better, our own continuous improvement. We can only be of more value to our clients. finding more good people who want to work with us, because that's very satisfying. the guys we all enjoy pick where we can make a difference, and keep doing that, really. investing in ourselves, investing in leadership.
0: Wonderful. You and I spoke before we went on air when we were talking about putting together this podcast and we were sort of hesitant a little bit about talking about COVID-19 because it can be a negative topic and it would also mean that this podcast is not a piece of evergreen content. It's very sort of uh, time-restricted. all the things we've talked about today, I'm really confident that people listening to this, people can listen to this in 12, 18 months, three years time and see that you're an inspiring guy. You're running a fantastic business, very, very progressive, into collaboration all the things you know that people can have learned from listening to, uh, to you today. So thanks so much for your time, James. Really appreciate it. And if anybody listening wanted to continue the conversation with you, how can they contact you? Uh, thanks for having us. It's been loads of fun, Richard. Um,
1: if anyone does want any contact, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I think that's a good way of of building out the networks and things and keeping in contact and seeing what people are doing. So find me on there. Um, is Ratcliffe IT and I'm down as James Ratcliffe. Um, I'm sure it's in the copy, but there's no E in Ratcliffe. That's probably the only tip I'd give you on finding me.
0: And I've made that mistake continuously. So I will make sure in the show notes there is no E. (laughs) Thank you. James Ratcliffe, without an E. Thank you for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Richard. Cheers.